Hi guys, welcome to the Fit Club Podcast. I'm Graham, this is Abby. Today we're going to be talking about nutrition and how it affects different illnesses and management disease. We're going to be going through everything from mental illness over to type 2 diabetes, how obesity can play a part in those things, but you don't have to be obese or overweight to particularly have these um, conditions. conditions. Yeah. So, um, first off, before we start, we all know that Abby and me have been uncut, so Abby, how's your week been so far? Wow. I was saying I'm, I have had like a little bit of an up and down and I think mostly like in the last week I've not seen as much of that come down because my sleep hasn't been perfect. It's been <laughs> very poor and also um, similar to what everybody else during lockdown will have, I've realised that I've actually not been moving as much. So whereas normally I wouldn't even have to consider getting in like over 10k steps. I've now got to actively go out and do that because I'm not at work properly at the moment, putting weights away and walking you know, to and from, walking work, to and from yeah. places. So that's something over the next week I'm going to make a conscious effort to go ahead and do. Um, and then maybe if I'm still seeing that it's in the same place, I'll have to reassess. And just drop down a bit of percentage wise mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Mine's been. To be completely transparent, this is actually the second time we've filmed this podcast. The first time we did it and the sound wasn't on through the mic, so we've had to redo it. The first time we spoke about it, I said that counting the calories is allowing me to eat all the foods that I want to eat, but I'm also neglecting other foods. Well, it's been two days since we last recorded this podcast and I haven't tracked a single single thing and I've just been eating what I wanted. Um, My weights, I'm pretty consistent with eating the same amount of calories whether I'm trying to or not, but I'm not getting in all the minerals, nutrients and everything that I need to be getting in. So now I've got to go back, reassess and just get back on that horse again, not leave it a week and say I'm going to leave it till Monday. I've got to start now. Today. I think it is that thing, isn't it? It's just as well making sure that, because we both said about it, the big struggle of eating things that you like because it fits your macros, that's not necessarily the most optimal thing to do. Because um, I've said last time that we recorded it, I had a conversation with my friend and she was making banana bread. And I was like, I can't eat bananas <laughs> because they're too many calories. And that was so that I could like have some extra carbs with my dinner. But really, it would have been better for me to be getting that fruit in because it, it it's generally a healthy choice. A healthy choice and, and snacking on something that's yeah <laughs> less calories but also has no nutrients in it. Yeah, no nutrition value. Yeah. <laughs> two two Haribo sweets. <laughs> Just be like, ah, one of those. Could eat Haribos. <laughs> if she could, oh, they are they, they had the, um, the the straws. The big strawberry. Yeah, because you remember, oh. yeah, I made my partner go go vegan and I got him, what was it? I got him straws and oh, yeah, yeah. Starburst to try and make him not feel as bad. I remember, I remember, yeah, but yeah, everything else Harry's got, what is it? Uh, gelatine in it. Gelatine, yeah. So, non vegans. Yeah. Which is alright because it's not nutritionally dense anyway. Yeah, so it should really be, be going for those things. It's not that you, you can have them, but as a vegan, it, it's easier if, you, if they're not an option because they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're going to be going on to first is we're going to be speaking firstly about obesity, how it is a common cause and often found with a lot of people that have the illnesses that we're going to talk about, but obviously then we're going to go into how 
you don't have to have to be obese to have these certain illnesses and how nutrition and that can play a factor into these sort of things and genetic and the things we're going to talk about can also be genetic but if they are that's what you need to be even more careful so the first thing i want to talk about is obesity in general so i was looking at the nhs website when we were doing research for our papers that we handed in last week um and according to the nhs website one in four adults in the uk are obese not just overweight are obese and one in five kids in the UK are obese. Now, again, for full transparency, what does that mean? Um, if a bodybuilder goes to the doctors and has to get on the scale for anything, and the doctor records it and he's like a 110 kilo jacked bodybuilder that's super healthy and runs around and lifts weights and has a good heart, he might still go down as obese due to the BMI scale. But for a sedentary person, it, it's normally the BMR scale is roughly, so yeah. it's pretty accurate. Did you have more you wanted to say on the BMR scale? Yeah, so um, I had like the ways that they work it out and the ways that, the other ways that you can measure it. So like another thing that they use is um, waist um, measures. So half to Just above it. the belly button. Small yeah, so around the yeah. So for men, it was 102 centimetres, and that's when you're considered at risk for obesity, <laughs> obesity related <laughs> diseases. Um, I'm trying to find it. So we could bought the laptop in today, so I could remember it 88 centimetres for women. Yeah, so in general, that is true that people that have, you know, probably a high amount of lean mass, the BMI scale isn't going to be accurate for those people in particular, but for most people, as you say, yeah. it's usually a good estimate. For the general public, the general you're going to public. find that their waist and their BMI is both going to say that they're obese a lot of the times, not all the time, mm -hmm. but a lot of the times when we get into that sort of level, if you're doing the waist and the BMI scale, you'll see a lot of the general public will be there, but it doesn't mean that it's not absolute spot on correct all the time but if you're yeah. more self-aware you know you know where well, most people know that. most people know in themselves yeah. um and sort of with that what i'm trying to think Mind bank for some reason today. <laughs> it's it's been a we've, we've had a slow start. It's because she's having to read. It's the problem. It's because oh, I'm trying to read. Wrote my notes. He wrote down his under, out. Yeah. Mainly because I've got a pink laptop under the table. Yeah, he that was I embarrassed. My, I have my fiance's laptop that I use for my research and work and everything. So, so that's why I wrote my notes. What we were going to go into basically is the reason why obesity is something that does have these negative health impacts because you can still eat a lot of um, nutritionally dense food and be obese but one of the biggest causes um, that tends to be discussed widely in terms of how obesity comes about in a person um, if we go away from all the other factors that go into it in terms of food is a focus on eating a lot of processed foods so many people may be time convenience um just general food tastes aversions to other foods cost effective cost effective that's a big one they they tend to go for food that is processed so that includes like your fast food your takeaways your tins your, your packets and it's usually like quite um calorie dense food so you're getting a lot of energy from it but it's not going to be nutritionally dense so it you know it's usually high in saturated fats and sugars which is also why it's so appealing and tastes so good 
But when that's what's making up a lot of your food, you're actually missing out on all of those other nutritional things that you do need. So you're probably not getting, you know, the right types of carbs and fibre that are going to help keep you satiated and proteins often neglected in that case. Um, and if so, and if not, say for example, if you get a burger from McDonald's, you are getting protein, but it's, it's also coming along with all of those trans and saturated fats, which aren't going to have a positive impact on your system. And the protein that you will be taking in is still going to be in a much smaller amount than everything else. When you, when I'm not saying that, again, yeah, we're not saying the there's anything food. wrong with eating any of these foods in a balance. But if you were to have um, a chicken burger, a double cheeseburger, and fries, the protein that you would have there compared to the fats and the uh, carbohydrates and everything in there that makes it all tastes absolutely amazing it's still going to be a lot lower than what you would need because it they they really pack that sort of stuff in there for taste and everything and that's why after you've had a mcdonald's for instance you could probably have another one an hour and a half yeah that's that's the one thing that i always find so you may crave it at that time but you you end up feeling hungry straight away it's it's not got the stuff in there that's going to help keep you full and I think that's also what can cause a problem, isn't it, in terms of why people end up being in a position where they're burning less calories than what they're eating. It's because it's not giving you the correct form of energy and it's also, you know, you're, you're still hungry after. Yeah, and that's why you know that after you've been to McDonald's a bunch of times and you're like, oh, I know <laughs> that this Big Mac's not going to fill me up, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a large Big Mac meal. I'm also going to have myself some six chicken nuggets, maybe a double cheeseburger and a McFlurry and a drink as well and then still you'll feel full for two hours but then you'll still be hungry again after that and after you've had that sort of stuff you might go and make yourself a salad later on but from personal experience and my friends and people i know after we've had a mcdonald's and really like kind of binge eating yeah it's it's not often we'll go i'm hungry again i'm about to go in and make me like a, a chicken salad or something like that. I'm gonna go get myself a Greek yogurt. No, normally it's basically like where the Harry Bows at. So <laughs> that's so puts you in a bad mindset. Puts you in a bad mindset. Yeah. Yeah, the day. And that's the one thing. So when you are making those choices, um, that can we we're saying last week it can come under being well two days ago. Two it can come under um, a form of like dysfunctional eating. So like when you make those choices again and again, um, it you know it because you're not taking care of yourself properly, it can leave you feeling run down. And you spoke a little bit about, obviously, the psychological impact that can have. Yeah. So with in terms of the psychological impact, mental health is something that can be tied to obesity in a way, but can also be for numerous other reasons. Um, poor nutrition is a major one, and I don't just mean poor nutrition eating too much maybe being obese and that making you sad and that making you depressed poor nutrition we know this is where i look at my notes because there's some big words we know that the body needs certain things to function so the brain is just like the rest of the organs in your body um you're going to need uh, all your protein you're going to need your amino acids you're going to need your vitamins your minerals your vitamins uh, your vitamin b's c's d's obviously if you're from the uk or anywhere like the uk uh, there's not a great amount of vitamin 
D all year round. So for, for not being able to go outside, so you might want to supplement and stuff for vitamin D. Like when is it? Yeah, September till March is when they kind of yeah. say to supplement your vitamin D. And or if you're the kind of person that just doesn't go out very much, again, you really want to supplement that vitamin D. Yeah, and um, um, that's the other thing as well. Just to, when you talk about it, uh, vitamin B, like B vitamins in yeah. general, they're not actually something that is exclusive to just people that don't eat meat. To need to supplement usually a lot of people do need to take that omega-3 and magnesium they are they're great and if you if you do eat if you do eat meat you can get away with eating your fish and everything to help they say what is it like two portions of fish a week will help with yeah. your omega-3s and everything i'm not quite sure about that um flaxseed as well is really good flaxseed is good as well but they so basically what your brain needs to help you produce serotonin um is the amino acid I'm just going to read it out for you. <laughs> so, to help produce uh, serotonin, you'll need complex carbs, complex carbs um, to help energize your brain, amino acids in protein for production of neurotransmitters, and um, tryptophan is the neurotransmitter that actually is the amino acid that actually helps the production of um, serotonin, and then. That one, so what that one does is serotonin is what they call the, the happy chemical in your brain. Uh, that's what, whenever you do something, it could be, you know, when you eat something and it makes you feel good, uh, a little bit of serotonin is released, but that won't happen. I mean, sometimes that could be why people overeat on these things because eating does make you feel good. You could already be depressed. And then that leads on to eating foods like this that can make you obese, lead on to other illnesses or... You could just be lacking um, serotonin and that could put you in a depressed state because you're not eating enough of the nutrient-dense foods, not getting the minerals, the zinc, the magnesium, uh, all the amino acids and everything in that you need as well. And not just that, uh, dopamine is the neurotransmitter uh, that helps motivate you. And this is made by the amino acid phenylene. Is it phenylene? How do you say it? No, I'm neither, just this is it. the hardest we're, we're part. Bad at pronouncing words. And the worry is for our second assignment for nutrition, we have to have a live phone call, which would normally be an interview, and we have to pretend we're having an interview for a job. I think it is, yeah. which is the, all the research we've done, and I have to say the word phenylalanine. Phenylalanine. Yeah, what is it? The uh, little you think you can use on your computer, and you just press yeah, you just and keep listen pressing to it, it. listening to it. Pretty I'm much really... the English language. We're going to do Google Translate all the way through it. So way. it's so phenylalanine is how I'm going to say it for now. But so basically, those those are the main two um, amino acids that's going to help your brain function. And for that, you really need more protein. In your diet to get all the nutrients to get all the amino acids in you need and for it to work properly for your brain to function properly you're going to need more complex carbs to help feed your brain and keep it energized so it's everything sparking properly now i've just butchered that science so anything that i've said please go and research that as well because i've just butchered every single word that i've had to say but from the research this this is how the lack of certain nutrition nutritional foods is why depression can come along. Now, we're not saying that it only comes from this. Obviously, people can get um, depressed after they've had a bad bang on the head, a, a nasty accident or something, can damage the brain, 
um, history of mental illness in the family can help damage the brain. Situational as well. A lot of things with lockdown, everyone's feeling isolated. Exactly. And then what goes into that? People are feeling isolated, feeling a little bit sad, feeling a little bit, not don't mean today, just sad, but feeling uh, depressed. And that goes on to the comfort eating. And that's where the comfort eating and the nutrition kind of goes out the window again. And it just kind of snowballs from there. And then that could be when the, if you keep going and keep going and can't get back on track or can't grab a hold of your nutrition, that could be where the obesity comes in. And then that leads on to other things like type 2 diabetes is very closely linked. Yeah, Um, issues in terms of like your general body chemistry, your blood profiling, um, lipids, cholesterol, blood pressure, heart health and general inflammatory of the body it's and again we're not saying that obesity causes all these things genetics also come into these but nutrition is important especially like if we're going to talk about heart disease if you know your family has a history of heart disease um especially uh in amongst the men of your family like a lot of a lot of men in one side of my family have had a big history of heart disease um they're not actually blood related to me but my uncle through marriage his all the way through his line had a big history of heart disease so it's very important for him to take care of himself mm-hmm. and to eat the right things because his heart's already in uh, a poor position look at Arnold Schwarzenegger so Arnold Schwarzenegger um I believe his dad his mum and his brother all died of heart attacks now his brother was a bit different because his brother I think I think don't quote me because it's been a while since I read his book but his brother had a car crash which led to a heart attack because of what they're saying was um, the history of heart disease in his family. And a lot of people blame steroids for the reason that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's had to actually have um, heart surgery himself without realising that heart problems ran in his family and his healthy lifestyle probably helped him out longer even though the steroids and that i'm sure wouldn't have helped <laughs> but the, yeah. the actual healthy lifestyle when he when he's eating clean and he was keeping himself in shape and he was exercising i'm sure that helped get him to the point where he could have just had heart surgery and stuff rather than obviously modern medicine modern science uh stuff like that would have helped as well i'm sure that wasn't around when his I mean, dad died that, of that's heart kind attack. of one thing yeah nature versus nurture so genetically you may already be exposed to a higher risk of certain diseases and they also say that with obesity so with obesity um if you have parents which are overweight you're more likely to be overweight yourself but a lot of things also are like learned habits yeah and lifestyle choices so, so what are we saying yeah, yeah so, so, Abby life, is talking about... so the nurture versus nature so people that can already be predisposed to getting certain conditions such as obesity, if your parents are obese, you're more likely to um, suffer with weight management yourself. But, you you know, some of that can be genetic. So those people could already have the chance of that, that they're more likely to have a their bodies less efficient at managing and dealing with that energy intake um, or certain health conditions that may influence it. But also you've got to think that's lifestyle. A lot of habits that people develop as children, they can they pick up from their parents and that could like then translate to them as adults. Like for myself, I know that 
it took me until I lived independently to be able to learn how to properly deal with my weight management and because of things like that and um, also related to like obviously the psychological impact of living in situations that yeah. I did you know I've had it where I weighed 30 kilo more than what I do now and then I've also weighed you know on a really low end and I used to restrict my food a lot and it's taken a while to like find a balance for myself where I know how to eat properly and a lot of those problems with food was caused in relation to the people that I was surrounded by. Yeah. See, my situation when I was growing up is my mum shows love through feeding. She really, <laughs> she really is. Uh, if you're sad, there's chocolate in the in the cupboards. There's there's cakes. There's there's this. There's that. She never. My mum not obese or anything like that. She just apparently to reward and show love it's always there's always like a special something treat in the, yeah there's always something to eat and the same with the grandkids so you have to be a bit more stern when you go around they're like i have to be strict with my kids at home knowing if they were going to go to their nan's house yeah. because i know that she's going <laughs> to plow them with stuff so they can't have as much of that stuff when they're at home because it, again that would just feed into the bad habits everywhere yeah. and i'm very much Still, if if I'm if I'm walking through town with my with my kids and they want a Greg sausage roll, they can have a Greg sausage roll. I'm not going to stop them getting a sausage roll or anything. But I try to let them know that if they have a chocolate bar, it's only one a day. If they have a packet of crisps, it's generally one a day. All the other snacks that they have, uh, generally fruit and things of that, um, maybe certain yogurts and stuff that they can eat, and then they have their dinners and that around that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I get criticised for that sometimes because I'm a little bit harsh. Um, say like with my cousin, if, if there's like leftover desserts and things, she'll like, yeah, I'll have the desserts. But then I'm like, may I want to not let you get in the habit of eating everybody's leftover food, <laughs> but only because in terms of healthy habits. Although she's she's typically quite good. She knows that if she's hungry, how to make like better choices and what to go for. Yeah. And she understands that some food, you know, it's still okay to have the bad food, but some foods are be a better choice. And we know we're not allowed to call it bad food. Uh, yeah, in, I know. Gen in general, she knows she knows that some that some foods have a healthier impact yeah. than others. Yeah. Now I don't mind people calling it bad food because it is it is what it is. It, it's it, is, it is what it is. It is what it is. So we'll call it more and more nutritionally, some are more nutritionally dense than, yeah. than others for the energy output that you, you for the energy that you get in from it. Um, but talking about picking the right things, we're actually saying the last time we tried to record this podcast that uh, my niece was always very good at picking the right foods. The only problem was that is if she went shopping with her mum, mum was like, is there anything you want? Like as a little treat now. She would often pick strawberries, which got a lot anywhere between two pounds to three pound for a box. And my sister'd be like, "Oh, it's kind of hoping you'd pick up like a bag of Maltese or something just this once because it's like a quid." So like that's that's what brings us back to that whole um, cost-effective things. We know that that things are, especially if you're not plan planning out properly, uh, things can be more cost-effective. Like berries, strawberries, seasonal things like that can be stupidly expensive so stupidly expensive yeah, and, especially for what it is yeah and organic foods as well very very high priced and you have to be but we were saying last time the last time you didn't hear this because we had to re-record it that it all depends on where you shop 
Like, you can go somewhere and get organic strawberries for £3.50 if it's not Tesco's finest organic strawberries, or you can go to Aldi's or Lidl and get them for one ninety nine. Yeah, what like. I was saying, like, in terms of stuff, things that people should be including in their diet um, that often do get missed, or people, because, say so this is an example, like nuts, nuts and seeds are something that are really important to have in order to ensure that you're covering, like, a wide range of different um, vitamins and minerals, and a lot of people avoid them, so Slimming World, not really similar's fault but like they would obviously you would sin nuts wouldn't you because they mm, i think they've got what's called you would sin nuts to a degree but they've got what's called a healthy extra yeah, or healthy something extras. so there are there are things you can have through healthy extras and that and then after you've um gone over that then your healthy extras then you would start to sin them um so yeah that that's like a management way of eating like a because in general, your nut intake wouldn't be that big if you're counting. Depends on what kind of diet you're on, doesn't yeah, it, really? Yeah. So the thing with Slimming World is it's uh, protein, carb, low fat. Not no fat, just it a lower just fat. It's to control so, it by limiting the amount of fat you have so you have more nutrition. Yeah, and because they don't count, the, they don't make, they can't make you count calories with their system. They put certain things that they know can be good for you but also high in calories and that that might tip some people over the edge they they put those under different categories it can be hard to get a grasp of we'll speak about that though in uh fat diets and stuff to come but like with with nuts and things a lot of people get put off because especially i was saying especially if you go to like um that's kind of organic or the bakery section of a shop you're getting up a 200 gram packet of nuts and they're like three pounds for like that small packet or um i sent my partner to the shop to get flaxseed and this tiny little bag of flaxseed the flax like ground flaxseed was like four pounds something and i know that if you go to the right places you can get them cheaper i've said Lidl, um aldi or like just adding for example peanuts you can buy although it's not great on salt you can buy salted peanuts for like 41p versus paying the like three pound for it but yeah Lidl was really good for nuts when I looked and it's the same sort of thing you just need to go to those those shops and shop around which isn't convenient for everybody no it's not depends if you can drive and and how close they are and if there's buses I mean where we are um they're all quite closely located they are Lidl's probably the hardest one to get to and from with bus stops if you've got like a full Thing you're well, shopping yeah, or everywhere else is probably yeah but they're making a new little apparently where we live but it's still actually in terms of bus stops bother still it's not easy to walk if you live near the area but um so so i mean personally i don't like nuts and that brings us to avocado they taste horrible as well um but again <laughs> that's just that's just how i feel about those foods i always stay away from nuts and avocado because i don't like them and I get more fats from log. It's easier for me not being a vegetarian. Like Abby needs to go down the sort of avocado um, nuts route. I will get more fats from more log. You do, do you eat eggs? Are you? I do eat eggs. Yes, so technically so I can't remember the exact term. I'm not vegan, but ovo vegetarian. It's one of them. I like, should. I should. Know. A, I think it's a, she's a, technically an ovo vegetarian. Some of the time, then she goes for vegan again. So I Sometimes. eat. I eat eggs. Sorry, 
But I don't think vegan. Haven't had meat since I was nine. Yes, then I played vegan. But um, and that's another thing really to touch upon as well that we'll go into more next week. Is that obviously when supplements is next week? Is it? Bad diet is last. Like we were saying as well, like a lot of things are being marketed to people as health food and um, I said it's getting quite frustrating because I'll go in to try and find, like I, I read the labels and everything that I buy, <laughs> so it takes me a long time to shop unless I know exactly what I'm going in there for. So, if so another reason it can be harder to eat healthier because yeah. a lot of stuff you do So much to... stuff is mislabeled. Um, things that say they're high in fibre, high in protein, I strongly advise reading the label because a lot of cereals, a lot of nut bars, um, snack bars, I mean cereals are probably the worst for yeah. it. Um, they'll, you, they'll say high in fibre, high in protein and you look and there's actually more sugar and more fat in those products than there is fibre and protein. Like just because it has three grams of protein it doesn't mean that it's good. that's not a high amount of protein no. to have in a portion and it may have like much higher stuff in there oh i'll talk about this one now as well as long as run about labels and uh eating the it will come under fed diets but what we're talking about uh marketing and stuff with slim fast the milkshakes i was in home bargains and i was getting myself some um protein drinks from there the one i get 41 grams of protein for something like 230, 250 calories for a 500 ml bottle. And that's, in terms of the protein world, that's that's very a good, good amount of protein for a lower good. amount of... Um, and I'm not a big protein fan, so I just drink it just to drink it to get protein. And, um, but I looked at a Slimfast one that said high protein. And I think for 400 or, or high 300s or 400 calories, it was something like 18 grams of protein yeah. for the high protein high Slim protein. Fast one. And I was like... There's this one that's right next to it that's only £1.40 and this one's like £1.80. It's a bigger drink and it's got more protein in it. Why would you not have the one that's got more protein in it? But the one's called Slim Fast and everyone else would look at the other ones. Like I was in um, Home Bargains the other day and I was watching people look at uh, supplements and that, what flavours they might think are better and they're on about losing weight and everything. And... I didn't put in or anything. Part of me wanted, if, it depends on the choice that we're going to make, but they, they picked one up and as they walked away, I was I thought to myself, they picked the right choice here. So I picked it up, looked at it and I was like, that's not bad actually. I was like, they, they probably should, I don't know how far along of any sort of journey they're on. They probably could have done with just eating, uh, learning to eat better before you start jumping into a supplement side of things. Again, we'll go into this more next week. But, um, but, they weren't reading the label. They were just looking at the flavour they wanted yeah. out of all the different ones and weren't looking at portion sizes or anything of it like, or, or anything. And they picked an all-right one, to be fair, but they would have been better off with the USM one, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. But, like, you are saying, with, the, with stuff like that, though, like, just because something's marketed as a health food, it doesn't mean it's necessarily healthy. Like, a lot yeah. of the stuff people are... are so you can go either side, they're saying, you know, sugar-free, going towards low-carb, or like they're saying um, plant-based vegan. I said in the last 10 years, there's been a sudden, like, major increase, especially more so recently in the amount of products that have been advertised for vegetarians and vegans. Yeah. But just because it doesn't have 
meat in it, but it doesn't have dairy in it, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily good for you. So I said coconut oil um, that's often used, that's still got um, trans fats in it and the saturated fats in there and they recommend that less than 10% of your fat, in, I think it's fat intake, yeah. comes from those sorts of fats. So they're not, they're not necessarily the right choice to have. Like you said, a vegan cookie is still eating a cookie. And what a lot of times they'll do is they'll, because with a cookie that's non-vegan, you'll have like milk that adds the flavour. You'll have, um, obviously, they'll still have the sugar and the fats and all that in there as well. But a bunch of stuff like that, that vegans can't eat, they'll just pack it with more sugar to get more taste in as well. So a lot of the times, vegan, again, not against vegans, I'm saying vegan marketed, um, people look at the word vegan and automatically think healthy. Yeah, I mean, my auntie wouldn't mind saying that she she's probably, she started putting on more weight since she went vegan because she was having, she has a lot of alternatives. And she's very good at cooking stuff herself, but sometimes, you know, like the snacks yeah. and stuff she's having. And you're thinking, oh, it's vegan, so it's all wrong. It's yeah. Where, it's, really? It's high calorie, so again, it's going back to that original problem that leads to weight gain, where all this food is high you know dense calories but not very much volume of food yeah so that's another thing you really want to be looking out for on the side to stop like abby just said you can put on weight as a vegan so read the labels don't quite go as close as abby does <laughs> like i can imagine her reading one label for one particular food then picking up six other of the same kind of products and reading all of them before she makes a choice of yeah, which one I mean, she wants I had, to... I got in a rant yesterday because I, I, um, I went to the shop, I, just for convenience reasons, I had like a packet of some flavoured flavored grains and it says on it, wow, 20 grams of protein per pack, which is good as far as grains yeah. go. That's pretty good. But then it's got in the top, it's like, ah, oh, plant-based. And I'm like, they're, they're trying to put money to mark this product up and make it worth more by putting it plant-based but really when you're buying things like couscous or lentils yeah, they're yeah. naturally vegan anyway yeah. <laughs> they're naturally vegan so i'm like they're charging more because they can like say that they're because they do i swear they do put money on top of it they're charging more for it being plant-based but it, I'm like, it should be anyway it, and it's like it's basically like when they slap a sticker on something saying it's organic isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the so same sort of it's, thing. It's an organic carrot. Well, you know what? Carrots should probably kind of be like pretty organic anyway. Yeah, they like, come from the ground. They come from the ground. Most and of them. We know when they say organic, it means they're not putting a lot of, um, what is it, Pe pesticides or something. It's what is it? What they keep to keep them that. fresher for longer and all that sort of stuff. I have no idea. But generally, organic, non-organic doesn't really matter it doesn't really yeah and, and most vegetables we see today they've all been genetically modified anyway and look at bananas they're meant to have seeds on the inside when's the last time you had a banana with a seed on the inside even if you pick one from a yeah, banana tree carrots are meant to be purple aren't they i've no idea they're meant to be purple yeah and, and broccoli got invented by people so, so oh, it's still processed <laughs> it's still processed it's all processed regardless <laughs> it doesn't matter but um, we say so with the whole movement then of um, obviously it is a positive thing that people are more bod body accepting and, and obviously there's a lot of different reasons that go into why somebody is overweight but it's not just the you know whether you 
do end up with these white related conditions just to touch over before we move on to it um excess adipose tissue which is the fatty tissue that you have it can cause inflammatory issues within the body and um, it can affect the way that your joints function it can um, have a negative impact on those chemicals that are there that assist with making sure that your body performs properly so um, it can affect um, absorption of different of nutrients um, it can cause a lot different issues and with the um, fluid that surrounds joint capsules synovial fluid yeah and not having that proper calcium or vitamin d or being able to absorb that properly because the health of your um internal organs aren't <laughs> isn't to an optimal level it can um affect the way that your bone health is because it's not able to recruit you know the the nutrients to constantly keep itself prepared and that itself puts you at risk of osteoporosis and your body needs calcium for normal um, muscle contraction that's not just in exercise that's in general daily movements so you know that's more likely to be when it can't get access to that calcium that's when it can also start taking away from other stores within your body but the main thing that we work, did go over with that is when you do gain weight what's happening each time that you walk each time you do a movement is it's not just i've put on five kilo because of the way that um you know force is calculated it's mass times acceleration so if it was originally 100 kilo times five miles per hour and say like 500 and then now it's 105 times 5 miles per hour, that's like 525 yes, times. basically, yeah. more pressure coming it, down. Yeah, it's not just that extra 5 kilo, and that's like every single time that you move, you're putting that amount of, sh of force shock through the joints, and that's going to have a harder time on your body. And you're also, it's got to, you know, it's got that constant pressure bearing down on it, so that's not going to positively affect your joint health in terms of you know say for example your spine your yeah. spine's got the extra weight to try to hold up um in terms of your hips your hips has to use more force just to get up and it, it's a general you know it puts you also not only at more risk for osteoporosis but also more risk for arthritis and it is more likely to lead to inflammatory conditions both of the um, general joints and also the impact that has on your digestive system also menstrual cycles a lot of women don't get pro don't get um, the proper respect that they should from a lot of practitioners if they are obese um, because you know it the excess weight and potential impact it has on their endocrine system, their hormones, um, that can lead to a lot of issues with their reproductive system. So it can, you know, have an impact on your hormones, cause all hormonal balances, and they will just get sent away saying, which isn't right, yeah. go lose weight rather than addressing the issue. But it can really affect women's cycles if they do lose weight they can see a massive improvement in it in fertility
And just to quickly go back to what Abby was saying about the bones. So to, I use this analogy the other day when it didn't record, so I'm going to use it again. If you think about your joints like um, the like, uh, like the shock kind of absorber, think of it like uh, the, what you call it in the car? Uh, suspension. Suspension, that's the word. Think about it like the suspension in a car. If you've got a car not fully loaded, you're driving it around and it hits a pothole, it's going to dip in, it's going to come out, put a bit of wear and tear on your uh, suspension going into potholes and that a few times but the the lot of the load the healthier your car the better it's going to be if you start overloading your car all the time and start driving around with an overloaded car and your suspension starts breaking down and things like that and then you hit a pothole in your car and your car comes down and then it has to work harder to come back up and it kind of has to force out like a if it's a big pothole think about your suspension then just kind of snapping so what i want you to do is think about falling over think about maybe being obese walking around um and just putting pressure and everything on all your joints and then you trip over in the street all that could if you if you were don't want to say lighter but if you, if you were kind of more mobile we'll say um if you didn't have as much like weight on your skeleton on your muscles it's and all that sort of stuff that you impact the floor with as much force so you're gonna have a large yeah. amount of force with that forward even and if it's from the same height what could be a sprained ankle could turn into a broken ankle like because you've fallen wrong often when people are sedentary and obese no i'm not talking about if you're a big bodybuilder or a power lifter and you've got a lot of muscle um, but if you're a sedentary person and obese and you take a fall, you might not have the strength to stop yourself from falling. If you fall off balance with one foot, your other foot is not going to have the balance to quickly catch yourself and reset yourself because that one foot then has got to take all that weight. So you end up falling over, maybe breaking a bone, maybe hurting yourself, hitting your head. Any Anything like that is, is kind of possible uh, if you don't look after your suspension we'll call it if you don't look after your body like you'd look after your car then that's what you wouldn't stick two dishwashers in the back of your car because you break your suspension yeah so basically <laughs> you don't want to be breaking your suspension so in terms of moving on from that and this is this isn't specific you know to obesity this is a condition that can happen in people of all ages um and you know, at all weights, it's mostly caused through like mismanagement of a lot of lifestyle choices. So with diabetes type two. Now, for me, I don't know what you found, but when I tried to do research into exactly how your diet does increase your likelihood of it, the biggest thing that comes up is obesity rather than just the choices. And yeah. I think that's going back into the causal thing of usually it's processed foods um and a relation the relation to being more sedentary because physical activity is something and that doesn't mean exercise that means just being more active is something that sounds help with reversibility did you find much in terms of no pretty much everything i found um was the same and the sh the studies that show in kind of reversing and putting people back into remission and everything and coming off medication for type 2 diabetes kind of shows that 
weight loss and better nutrition does that so like, if you need to make your nutrition better to help with your type 2 diabetes you can only really have got it from going unless it's an extreme genetic component of it where like, you might have just got it um because it runs in the family but more type 1 diabetes yeah but, i think type 2 is Although they say you're more They're at risk, more of it, risk if, if you somebody have, has it, I think that so I think could be from, the nature versus nurture argument. From what I've from what I've read, if like so, my fiance, um, her mum is type two diabetes, and her sister got what's it called when you diabetes during pregnancy? I can't um, remember the proper term, but yes, obviously women. I think yeah. my mum had it as well. She was diabetic during can pregnancy. Get it draw, drawing it so. Um, my fiance was on, and none of the women in her family are obese or, or anything like that. Um, but they're just more genetically, they're probably not got the healthiest diets, but they're probably more genetically prone to getting type 2 diabetes. So this comes again in having to look after yourself if you know it's a potential, look after yourself from the start mm-hmm. rather than having to come back when you've got it and then reassess everything, just try and mitigate the damage. Um, so my fiance, uh, luckily never ended up having, uh, I want to say the digestinal, but it's not ingestinal or something, diabetes, which she was looking out for when she was pregnant. Uh, but luckily she never ended up having it. Um, she normally takes very good care of herself anyway. She doesn't, she's very, manages her diet very well. Um, so she, she was, she was fine in terms of that, but the risk of diabetes is greater for if she starts as as she gets older and if she does start to start eating less nutritionally dense food yeah she'll put herself at a higher risk risk for it and i don't know how true this is because i saw a few studies on it but it wasn't important for what we were looking at but um a lot of the time i was seeing like things like uh race and that Some people are more likely to, not because of obviously their lifestyle, but like their their background. Yeah, yeah. See, my fiance is half Jamaican, but it doesn't make sense though because her mum's the her mum's white, so it doesn't make too much difference. But her mum's the one that that has the top that has the diabetes so it doesn't make complete sense there but i know when i was reading stuff about certain illnesses you can get like type 2 diabetes that are not you're going to get it because you are that race but more prone to getting it for certain mm, reasons covid i suppose like that's so it's, a, it's, it's a vitamin d thing as well though, isn't it? is it to do with the absorption yeah yeah i know that um obviously as somebody's um inheritance is that the word that that can put people at risk for more likely to get certain types of cancers and um, chronic diseases. And it's something that I did want to look into more, and I would have looked into it more if it was. Important. I just didn't. Yeah, I just felt I just felt like I'd already written a lot, and by the time I delved into that science, I was like, I'm getting too much into stuff. But it's going to be interesting to look back on. I'm sure this something like this is going to come up next time when we're talking about we've got to do something else on diabetes and illnesses and that that you can get. I'm sure. Yeah. Like race, race and stuff's going to come into it at some point. So, I mean, the way the way that our lecture explained um, what kind of causes or leads to it was quite good. Do you remember the analogy to do with the train? It's like each time that the sugars and stuff come round, because the the diabetes is the insulin resistance. Yeah. 
So um, insulin is sent out in response to peaking blood sugar levels, isn't it? So when there's excess glucose or glucose comes in, in order to balance out the level, the insulin is secreted by the body in order to combat it and bring the levels back to normal, which is why um, some diets that are limited in excess sugars and glucose are effective because it, you don't constantly need for that spike to come yeah. in. Um, it's like an overuse condition. So overuse, if you're constantly sending your body up, eventually the production of it, it gets tired of constantly trying to combat it. And I suppose that can be a little bit like um, some aspects of metabolism, they say. Um, I've been, I know that Elaine's done a lot of stuff on metabolism recently. Yeah, to do yeah, with yes, long-term yeah. restriction. Your body learns to adapt to certain levels. <laughs> that it's put under so you you constantly you know if you're choosing those bad choices and you're constantly putting your body through a lot of stress by throwing these things that aren't particularly good for it at it it's going to slowly you know lose its ability to r- respond to it as efficiently yeah. and when you stop putting it under that same level of stress that can help bring that back under control and so like you know there's different diets that are recommended so you know, with that are effective so like people will say you know um going on keto which we'll discuss in more detail after that can be effective because you're not um having constant sugars going into your system or they can say to go plant-based because you've got a reduction in the um pro- if you choose to eat it in a nutrition way in those less sugars yeah. and less trans fats um but the general thing that works, like we said, is just going ahead and eating a good balance and reducing weight or reducing the stress that your body's under. So optimal nutrition. Like we were pointing out last week, more protein, more fibre will help you get more of the minerals and nutrients and that that your body needs in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will, as soon as you start eating those sort of food, don't think about it like... Um, so if someone was to come to me, I'm not sure if I spoke about this last week, probably did. But don't think about it like um, having to change your lifestyle straight away. I'm pretty sure I said this last week, but I'll say it again. Think about if you do have any of these issues and you've been told that you need to lose weight and you're out there looking for some help, don't necessarily have to jump into being a vegan, jump into being keto. Now you can start treading your toes, but the best way to start treading your toes is what are the one things that... Keto people and vegan people eat a lot of, generally, plants. Yeah, they, low, low GI food. Yeah, they eat a lot. Of, to me, a plant-based diet is basically someone that just eats a lot of plants. The majority of the, the majority of the world should be on a plant-based diet. In terms of, that's not me saying don't eat meat. The way I look at anything that is based with something doesn't mean that that's, that's all it is. Like, it, if I if I'm trying to eat healthier, if I'm trying to be more, what am I trying to say? Conscious of what I'm eating, but without tracking, and I'm just thinking oh, I want to lose weight. The first thing I do, the very first thing I do is start upping my um, plant intake. It doesn't mean that I cut out meat. It means I'll cut out the McDonald's that comes to the meat that comes with that. But it means that instead of going to McDonald's and having the meat from there or having the pepperoni on a pizza that I'd have a lot of plants on my plate 
Then I might have a potato on that plate as well with a little bit of butter or a little bit of cow spray, even though it's not going to be very nice. And then I might have um, tuna on that potato. So I've still got more plants on that plate than anything else. First thing in the morning, uh, when I have my cereal, I'm still going to have my milk. Uh, but if I'm having Weetabix or something like that, I normally end up having a banana and an apple with it. Again, very much plant-based. Like just the eat more protein, eat more plants. And it is with the plants. It's just the fact that you get, you know, if you eat a variety of different things, you're not only going to get the fibre that's also going to be satiating along with protein, which is one of the most satiating um, macros. And you're also- I found out uh, white potato is like the most satiating um, carb and kind of food of all foods. Apparently, is it? I was. What was it? I was I was watching someone on Instagram, but it was a doctor, so they must okay. know what they were talking about. Reliable, more reliable. Well, it was it wasn't just some person. There was someone yeah. actually showed a study on Instagram. It might have been Jeff Nippard, actually. It might have been Jeff Nippard, who's not a doctor, but he um, looks at papers and that in what's called the Mass Review or Alan Agron's yeah. um, peer review studies, and he goes through them and breaks them down and explains them to dum dums like me. Um, so I can butcher the science even more and try and explain it to you. Um, but yeah, just a, a side note, one of the most satiating foods you can get is actually a, a white potato, not even um, the sweet potato, yeah. a white potato. I think sweet potatoes, I think, aren't they just more fibrous? They're, they've got more sure. of certain stuff in them, but they're not quite as satiating, apparently. Still very satiating. But apparently white potatoes are the most satiating food out there, apparently. Now, so, I did watch that video Everybody about, get your air fryer out and start making, making potatoes. Potato fries. So, now, bear with me because that was, I think I was watching that about 20 past 12 last night. Okay. <laughs> so, so like, go to Jeff Nippard yeah. and see what he has to say about it. He, again, very good YouTube, a very good Instagram. Exactly. And, like that does the other cause as well, and it does lead to a lot of things is alcohol intake. And that yeah. again, that's just overall that's just constantly putting your body under pressure. So um in terms of alcohol intake, I say again with I think it it can the largest amount of grief that's starting to be, you know, diagnosed with heart disease are you know, middle-aged women, or not even middle-aged, like women that are only in their 30s sometimes, um, who have had a history of binge drinking. There's a lot of women that order. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and and, Probably a woman to the right of me as well. They don't necessarily... (laughs) I've really focused on putting down my alcohol intake (laughs) this year. We're on the 29th of January, and I have been very, very, very good. But a lot of women, you know, that binge drinking is quite common in English culture in general, isn't it? Or in a lot of other cultures. And, you know, they're not necessarily overweight, but they've put their body under that stress. Yeah, they're they're making their organs work harder to kind of get rid of the alcohol and and everything else. And your liver also, that's quite, you know, that plays a part in terms of your general, like, lipid management and filtration and the poor choices so one of the key things that ends up leading to well contributory factors for things like kind of said coronary 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 heart disease 
is in terms of not just obviously like alcohol consumption and weight management, but just like poor choices. So going back to it, um, high saturated fats and foods high in these um, bad fats and sugars, they tend to contain a lot of the bad cholesterol, so low cholesterol. Can't remember all of the terms for it, but if think the blood profiling, if you have excess lipids and excess amounts of these um bad chemicals, and they are bad, they're yeah. things you don't want in excess, and um, that come along with the essential fats that you need, your normal, you know, your essential amino acids, um they have the potential to cause for those fatty deposits to start lining your arteries and and it sometimes causes no symptoms until you know you get to the point where you actually do have some type of heart condition and there are things you can do to try and improve it smoking comes under that as well um but you know you've also you've also done that damage to yourself yeah so you can, if you know that you have a history and you're more at risk and relatives that, that's at risk and you do you do have it where your weight is not in a place where you want it to be, um, doctors sometimes will do it. So they will sometimes do a blood test and they'll test your cholesterol levels and, you know, you usually when you have a checkup, they'll test your blood, blood pressure and things anyway. But, you know, you can't always visibly see on the outside that you're doing damage on the inside there's not always signs so you know your body may be prone to storing and um, the fatty deposits on the inside and be really efficient but it doesn't mean that the excess lipids aren't going through your blood and being deposited around the arteries that feed your heart so a lot of a lot of people have it where they eat really poor diet but they're still quite slim yeah so it isn't just because it's still always gonna Weight, weight will always matter in terms of calories. Yeah. So, like, they might not be eating calories. They might not be in a calorie positive. Um, they might have been a calorie calorie surplus, so they won't put on weight, but they'll mm-hmm. still be having all the terrible things that well doing to themselves all the terrible things that they need to do to put their bodies in a worse position. And this is why, again, we say it doesn't. You don't have to be a beast to have these sort of problems it's just that's more often when it's picked up yeah it's better quite often when it's picked up is when people are obese because the people that are obese tend to go to the hospital more uh, doctors more with general health problems in total um so that's why it gets picked up more whereas if you're an alcoholic you probably go to the doctors a lot less because <laughs> you don't want them to tell you that you're an alcoholic <laughs> But yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff is normalised, and I think that's that's also probably part of the problem. Is it's really good that we're more accepting and we really focus on people and their psychological well-being. But you know, I think one thing that's getting normalised quite a lot at the moment is all these people, all these people. But well, <laughs> a lot of and you you do see it coming up from women at the moment during lockdown than you do from men. I don't often see too many men midweek posting bottles of beers or cans of beers. <laughs> like my dad was a guy that basically, when the pub was open, would be there for five, six days a week. Um, but when lockdown comes, he just doesn't drink at home. He just doesn't. He doesn't Women tend to drink a lot more at home 
from what I've seen personally, from this isn't a study. From what I've seen personally, personal observation, not on, factual. on Instagram, not factual. From from my Instagram feed, all I see, not all I see, but there's more women midweek posting up a glass of wine, gin. I'm, I'm not saying don't have a glass of wine or yeah, a glass of gin. Meant to and be, obviously, um, he benefits to having certain stuff, but that's that's talking about in moderation. Yeah, isn't it? and when they say that there's a benefit to having a glass of wine, what the study is actually saying is there's something in wine that <laughs> gives you a certain benefit and you can get it from other places. You don't have to have it from yeah. wine, but a glass of wine would help you get that in from what I've heard. But, uh, but basically what I'm trying to say is you do see... With it's Abby's become point, more normalised to drink in the middle of the yeah, week. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the week for women to have a bottle of wine or a bunch of lemon, gin and lemonades and not just on a Friday, like <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, me. Friday now. I mean, that's why I decided personally, so that's something that I struggle with. I've said I feel like I have a very addictive personality and over Christmas and the festive period, I, like more so, I was drinking quite a lot and I was like, oh, I'm finding the days after that I'm drinking. I still want to drink in the middle of the week. Yeah. So I was like, right, that's it. I need to like stop. And I still get it and I'm still like... You want to drink? Yeah. See, but... this is why I kind of turned down a lot of nights out and that was my friends. And they hate that I turned down a lot of nights out, but... I've also got a very addictive personality, and the more I party, the more I want to party. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> if I go but out one Friday, the very next day, if I go out on a Friday, by six o'clock on the Saturday, I'd want to be getting drunk again. Like, because it's the way I lived when I was a when I was not a kid, not like when I was ten, but like when I was from seventeen to twenty-one, um, it was pretty much drinking five, six nights a week, like going to college nights and uni nights and all that sort of stuff, and then. Just going out and getting drunk like, a lot and just partying a lot. So now, because I'm the same as Abby, have a very addictive personality, if I go for a weekend away with the lads, then come back. I want to go back again. Like It's then, oh, when are we going away again? When are we going? Or, or when are we going out again? In my head. I don't say that because my friends will... Like, boom, we'll be out next weekend yeah. and then there'll be snowballing then and I'll just be drinking every weekend. But that's something as well, actually, thinking about it. I was, um, I did like a sort of like wellness check in on somebody just to see how they are. And we were talking because we've both been through like kind of like that whole weight loss journey because, as I said, I've been like both ends of the spectrum. And we were saying about a lot, a lot of problems is socialisation. Yeah. Like socialisation, many people, I said, I've got certain friends that I know that if I was to see them, or like, not now, but like, if I was to see them, there would be that thing of they would prepare healthy meals. And there's other people that I know, or like family members, that if I see them, they're not going to go for that option instantly. They're like, ah, this is it. It's time to get in the takeaway and it's time to drink now if you've got a lot of friends and go see a lot of friends um when we're out of this lockdown and a lot of people may find that to be fair they may have got good habits in because that's what it is it's creating those habits like after they're like yes you can go out that might be something that they fall like victim to because you go see friends and they're like we're going to go out to eat we're going to go these places i'm going to do this a lot of it does have like a negative impact on your choices and like, I was getting torn apart in the group chat the other day from, from some of my mates that um that I don't see as much anymore. 
uh, they're still my best friends, but we just don't see each other very much because I'm very busy at college and work. A lot of them own businesses and also have families and that, but they still, not now, lockdown, um, social distancing, but they still go out drinking and that more than I do, mainly because I work Saturday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, and Sunday mornings. He's been banned from socialisation by his career. My career's basically banned me. Um, But I work a lot of funny hours, but they still make fun of me for not getting out as much with them and getting drunk. And they're right. I mean, I probably should go out more, but it's hard. I'd have to book a day off work. To the, I'd have to book two work. days off work yeah, now. I'd have to book a Friday and a Saturday off, or a Saturday and a Sunday. I'm a miss of the kids. Unless she comes out drinking yeah, with us as well. See, I was being considerate of her then. I was like, yeah, you, you all go out together. No, nah, because I still go out with my missus. Like, yeah. it's, it's easier for me to go out with my missus because... All I'm going to do, if I'll go out with her, we'll go out on a Sunday if we're going to go to the cinema or something, if we're going to go for a meal, we'll go on a Sunday. Then we'll have the kids, and then we'll go and pick them up after. Not now, lockdown. No, I suppose they're with your friends, you got to prepare for that extra time yeah, to recover. Yeah, with friends. Like, I'm only going to go out and get drunk on a Friday or Saturday night. I work Saturday mornings, and I work Sunday mornings. <laughs> so it's not, I'd have to book two days off work to go and get drunk, or be very unprofessional i could go out on a saturday night after nine o'clock and walk back into the gym at seven in the morning really really hungover but that's yeah that's not advisable so to to me that that's a that's a thing that this has helped me got well working hours helped me with the non-drinking side of it i got better at it before as well because i was consciously not drinking as much not going out as much, spending more time like with my kids and not more time with my kids because i haven't really drank since i've had kids but that's to stay in more with them that I haven't gone out as much. Still make time to go out with my friends and everything, but not as much as they'd want me to. Not as much as, not enough to not get ripped in the group chat for being the one that goes out <laughs> the least. And there's two people in that group chat that never go out with them. One of my mate's brothers, both his brothers, never go out, ever. One of, another kid lives in Wales. We've been, out with him, we've been out with him twice in the last two years and he's still ripping me for not going out as much. But it's like I said, I've got that addictive personality. It's why I'm trying to change the all or nothing way yeah. of, of which I do, which is why I'm trying to catch, count calories it, instead of That's trying to the thing, good. like, so even though we're talking about it, we're still not necessarily, you know, the most optimal. Like, we don't, we haven't got everything perfect. And I think oh, no. It definitely is creating a habit habit to do it like making it natural to yourself because it won't be to begin with and it is like small steps but the general thing is if you want to prevent yourself from getting the preventable diseases you've got to really take a hands-on approach and take some responsibility um it's not a case of oh well it's too hard for this you know there's lots of barriers to these things but with effective planning and you know, try and seek support from other people. If, like I said, with friends, if you that's, know, yeah, it's a good point. You you want people that are kind of on your wavelength as well. Yeah, like if you know, every time you go see your friends, they're going to suggest that you get a takeaway and drink. It, it, you know, maybe for your own sake, you need to all have a talk and be like, okay, maybe this isn't the best thing for us. Even though all the time, you may get yeah. ripped in the group chat, you will get ripped <laughs> in the group chat. But my, my friends rip me because it's something to rip me on. But I know they're all happy for my job and my college and all that yeah. sort of stuff but one thing you were saying about support is see literally as we're doing this podcast now what went through my head is oh, i forgot to take the chicken out of the freezer last night for the fajita wraps that i was meant to make tonight 
So that's not good. So what automatically went through my head is my fiance's at work. She works right beside McDonald's. I'll text her. Fancy McDonald's for dinner tonight. What do you say? And she will text back why I thought we were going to have the beer apps. And at that point, I've got to say, didn't take the chicken. <laughs> didn't take the chicken I mean, or any of them. You could just out. go to the shop and buy some pre. Could get more pre, but. Pre done stuff. I could get some pre done stuff, but then that's going to cost like the same as well, a McDonald's. Not really, but like, the kids weren't going to have the fajitas. They'd have had something else. But she's going to say no. She's going to say no for money. And she's going to say no um, for health reasons. And that's, she's my kind of, I won't say moral compass, um, but she's kind of my healthy eating compass when it comes to this. Because even though the science behind it and everything, I may know more and I might have to help people with what they're doing day to day. It's still a struggle for me not to be like, should we just should we just go get a McDonald's? <laughs> the one thing that I did, so I'm I have like I've said last time I had like a really big sweet tooth. Although weirdly enough, I had black coffee and have it with no sugar in, I can do that, but I really like chocolate and I really like, you know, like sweet things like um syrups on foods, cakes. My favourite thing is cookies and muffins and brownies. And because of um, where about my calorie allowance is I can't afford to just eat those and also help I shouldn't yeah. eat them but as often so I can't afford to make the choice to give 30% or 40% of my intake to just bakery goods because I know that I, I would have the same issues I'm talking about that I'd be sacrificing those nutritionally dense foods I wouldn't be getting in as much vegetables or fruit that day because of it so I bought some when I went shopping and I, I heard a thing on the podcast with um, Steffi Cohen and she's she's lean pretty much all the time, yeah. Lean so and strong. Lean and strong, very like top at the top of her leaderboard for a weight class pretty much. But um, she said that because she's only five foot tall, what she does is she has the food put up really high in the counter so she'd have <laughs> to go ahead and get a store to go get it. So I did say, and I'm hoping the rest of it is hidden. I got my partner to hide. He only hid 50% of it. So he's got to hide the rest to hide my snacks higher so I can't see them. Because as soon as I know that they're there, that's all I think about wanting to eat them. It's yeah. my problem with meal prep. When I prep food, I'm really hungry to eat it because I know it's there. And you just eat it straight away. See, when I was, I used to be a delivery driver and drive like all around the country delivering medical supplies and that to like, um, pharmacies and hospitals and stuff. And I used to have my lunch, so I used to start work at four in the morning, half four, and finish at about one. So I used to have, like, my breakfast made, because I got up too late to have breakfast before I left. I used to have my breakfast made, then I'd have something for lunch, and then, or, like, a midday brunch thing, and then a lunch thing. <laughs> what would normally happen is, by five o'clock, driving wherever I'm driving in the van, the food's all gone. I'd been in the van for 45 minutes, and everything I'd planned out for the day is gone. And now it comes to half 11, I've got an hour and a half drive back home and I'm like, I'm absolutely starving because I've got up at all my food and then I've done a lot of physical work unloading all these boxes and loading more boxes back on. I've burnt a lot of energy so I'm hungry again. And that's normally when I went straight to Tesco's or <laughs> just yeah, got more. And yeah, and it wasn't like I bought a bunch of vegetables and made my salad on the side of the road. <laughs> it was normally like a big bag of crisps and chocolates. And what the worst I've ever been health wise was when I was driving long distance. 
And that's something though, like um, I used to work in an office before and a lot of the time like people would go to the shop to go get stuff thinking they're getting healthy things like your salad boxes and stuff like that, but they're not. Yeah, the thing with offices as well is um it's a lot of snacking in offices. A lot of birthdays, someone's bringing in donuts, yeah. cakes and all that sort of stuff. But I'm not saying don't ever have them, but you just, every once in a while you got to learn to kind of say no if you're having too many, like too many times a week, don't, especially, it's not so bad if you think I'm only going to eat this sort of food when people bring them into the office. That's fine. But if you're eating these foods in the office, like donuts and cakes and all that sort of stuff that people are bringing in and then not thinking about that because it's been someone's birthday and not really counting to what you're eating, and then going home and be like, well, I had a cake today, but it doesn't count because it was such and such's birthday. And then having more of the same stuff at home, that's when you fall into that kind of trap. That's when that sort of yeah, stuff Yeah, I mean, one example of that, like with my granddad, my granddad was like, I don't buy bread to keep in the house because I'll have it at, in the house. I know that I'll eat it all and I'd rather eat the biscuits at work. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he balanced his Is he retired now? Yeah, he retired in... So what's he doing? Is he have bread and biscuits Chris... now? Or... <laughs> I don't... You know what? I don't know because it's COVID. It's COVID. I, I, I honestly haven't seen him. Oh.
And they asked him if he'd fallen or anything. He said, nah, I hadn't fallen. So they were like, all right, then. Uh, we'll do some tests. And it turns out that his bones had got weak through cancer. Um, they started him. He, he ended up losing a bunch of weight because he found this out during lockdown. And my mom, obviously, understandably, very worried, very, very worried uh, before we had the results back that he had cancer. And oh, it's definitely going to be cancer. Oh, look, he's getting really skinny, blah, 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 blah. And me and my sister sat down and calculated how much he drinks now and realised it was zero to how much he normally drinks, which would, being generous, being generous, we worked out that he drank something like 6,000 calories a week in beer. And being, that's how he can put weight on throughout. But he's, he's, he was 12 and a half stone and went down to 10, something like 10 stone or just below 10 stone. And my mom was like, oh no, it's, it's definitely because of the cancer and, and all of this. And I was like, he's lost, he's like lost 6,000 calories a week. And she's like, yeah, but he, he eats a Magnum now. Like after, after dinner, he'll like have a Magnum ice cream. I'm like, one Magnum ice cream after dinner isn't going to make up for the 6,000 calories a week. Like the, the 1,000 calories you might have a week in Magnum ice creams is not making up for the 5,000 that he's not eating. Now, we were both right. He had cancer. But also, once he got back on the treatment, well, once he got back on the treatment, coincidentally, the pub's opened. So we'll never, it's, it's one of those studies you'll never be able to really know because the pub's opened and he went on... Um, he went on a, what you call a chemotherapy treatment. So shouldn't have really been drinking. He should have been drinking. In the middle of COVID but in the pub. He, he shouldn't have been, but he was. It is what it is. Should have got proper Scots, Scotsman. So uh, so he's drinking as chemo started. Now, he was only having chemo once every three weeks. So he wouldn't drink like two days before, three days after. The three days after was because he didn't feel great. He just felt tired. Otherwise, he probably would have. Um, but his weight started going up now. And his hips started feeling better. So was it? How long did he have this broken hip for? And was the reason he couldn't feel it as bad is because he was drinking a lot? <laughs> pain, <laughs> pain, pain relief. Really? Even though he was only drinking at night, he was going out at like half eight at night, coming back at like half 11, um, still getting up and going to work and doing everything he normally did. Um, or is it the the steroids and the chemo and everything made him better and we'll never know because he started chemo when we're in lockdown and uh, he started chemo when lockdown kind of eased off and he could drink again he started to drink again and he found out he had cancer like mid pandemic pubs are closed he hasn't had a drink in two or three months and it has been eighteen thousand calories down for the last <laughs> like over the three months eighteen thousand calories less throughout the three months so good <laughs> so it's like now he's back at the 12 and a half stone. Is it steroids? Is it alcohol? <laughs> he feels yeah, great. Yeah, well, he felt great. Now we're locked down. I don't know how it feels now. Um, but like, it's like, which one was it? Like, we don't, we, we truly don't know. We can't pinpoint which one it is because no one did a study on it. But now at the moment, he's in lockdown again and he's up of the steroids. So, so let's see what he is when the pubs what open happens? back up. We're going to get him on the scales before the pubs open up again and see, we'll just how, see what goes. So, uh, that, that's the thing, yeah, you, you may find that you feel as though you possibly have some underlying health condition and if you just eat better, for, it's not going to change in a week. No, it's not. But if you just eat a bit better, you may feel better mentally, you may feel better physically, you may see a reduction in pain in your joints and your immune system may improve or you could just feel. Could just be, and don't, don't forget. Hopefully, just because, not as, as 
<laughs> no, really not. Don't forget, just because they put you on medication doesn't mean that's going to heal what's hurting. Especially yeah. if you're on some sort of heart medication, don't just think, oh, I'm on this medication now. If they put you on medication for type 2 diabetes, don't just think, this is me living on this. You want to work as hard as you can to Take get free, off yeah. of that sort and of stuff. Can, if it's possible to get off of it. You can reverse type 2 diabetes. You can. Um, they call it a full reversal after three years, but they call it remission after remission. six months. If you're yeah. not on, if you're not on um, any, you can come off the tablets and stuff. And if you've been off them for so long, then it gets turned into full reversal. Uh, the last thing I was going to say about this whole subject, because it was disease management, uh, we'll quickly go over some diets that will be getting picked up again. We won't go into what they are, but I just want to go into what the NHS says. Um, and we will be speaking about a lot of these diets in two weeks. So the NHS talks has a lot of diets on there that you can go through. If you go down and look at them, it describes what diet is. And I, is it, I can't remember what organisation it was. It's in my reference list for our last assignment now. Um, this organisation basically reviews each diet, gives you the pros, gives you the cons, um, and then gives you the overall conclusion of what they think, think of each diet. Um, so I'll just go through a couple. Uh, so the NHS, they do have their own 12-week exercise and diet program themselves. I believe it's a calorie counting program. I'm That's not too sure. I think it is, which yeah. is fine, we obviously. We have with doctors as well. The doctors nowadays as well, they'll give you a referral, won't the they? Doctors will give you a referral, depending on the type of illness as well that you have. If you have a serious illness, um, like conditions of certain things you can and can't eat, you'll be... Uh, referred to a diet, dietetic or dietic or however you, you say it. Um, if it's just a case of they think you need to lose more weight, you could get referred to Slim World for a 12-week program. And I believe Weight Watchers used to do it, but I'm not so sure anymore. We'll talk about our feelings on that during fat diets. Um, they also, also on their review, um, Low Carb, they review Slim World, they review Weight Watchers, they review New Keto. Uh, I'm not sure what is... New Keto? I think, because I think... Keto has just been called new keto now because the traditional old keto was basically 80% of your diet or 75% of your diet was fats. A lot of, lot of vegetables and fats yeah. basically was, was the majority of your diet. Even protein was very, very low. Um, so I think new keto is basically now just high protein, high fats. It's five to 10% of your intakes carbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I think new keto, that's what, so what you might know as keto is actually new keto compared to what keto was originally formed as. Uh, like I said, then they've got just a traditional low carb diet, which isn't just a five to 10%. That could be like uh, 25% of your diet's carbs. Then the rest is split between uh, protein and fats, depending on which way you want to do it. Uh, the Mediterranean diet and the 5-2 diet. If you're interested in any of those, not that I'm recommending any of them or or not, um, we're simply, any information we give you, we want you to go and have a look at these yourself. Make your own decisions. If you go to the NHS website, it's not the NHS reviewing these. They have the, is it the AD something? I can't remember what, I can't remember what the organisation is that actually the A&D or the ADN actually review each of these diets and then give you their thoughts on them, describe what they are, describe how to follow them and like, give you links and stuff to and each of the diets to review That's them just all. one thing as well. When you go ahead and you search for these, you could type them into YouTube. You need to make sure that the person that's giving you that information is either able to cite it back to research, which is up to date, not like from 1980s, yeah. like within the last decade, or something like that and that you know they've got 
qualifications themselves. So whether it's, it is that they're a qualified nutritionist, whether they have a background in some kind of science. And a lot of the one thing we've been told a lot and, you know, I can kind of relate to it. Nutritional advice in terms of education for general practitioners and nurses is not the same level that somebody who studies nutrition themselves will go into. So if you think that you are having issues, going ahead and reaching out to a nutritionist could be something that's like a positive step in trying to see if nutrition itself can help you before you, you know, go ahead and diagnose yourself with any conditions. And remember, opinions aren't scientific facts. So if you are listening to people, make sure they are showing either talking about studies and not, you don't want to hear a lot of this is because of this or I don't like this because of this. You want to hear the study say this or this says this. And even if a study says something, you can always go back and look at another study to see what another study says. Um, There's there's always going to be basically... What pretty much all diets end up saying is that most diets work, you just have to be able to adhere to them. Yeah, and adherence is the main thing you do really need to think of. Can you do this forever if you like keto? Can you put up with not having sugary snacks and, you know, being able to go out for meals without checking the menu? That's something, again, that's plant-based. Can you really say that you don't ever want to have meat again if you've eaten meat the whole of your life? We'll we'll talk about more of this. This is week two, so we'll speak about this in more depth from week four. Now, I said don't go looking for people's opinions. Um, we will be giving our own opinions on things in terms of we'll be telling you what certain studies say. We'll, we'll be looking at everything through research, but then we'll give our own opinions on things that maybe we've done, uh, maybe things that we wouldn't do for certain reasons, but our opinions will be in there don't take our opinions for it. Look at the research that we're talking about rather than our opinions on things. Yeah. And always research stuff yourself. Never, never just take our word for it. Or anyone else's. Always research it yourself. Look at more than one study. Even if you agree with something and someone else disagrees with it, look at the disagreement and look at it with a neutral mind. That's very good advice. Thank you. I'll try. Right. So <laughs> that's it for us today. It's been a bit of a long one. Um, you can find us on the Fit Club page, on the live page. You can find us on all places you can get podcasts. And soon, hopefully, if you really heard this on YouTube, then obviously we're on YouTube, but we'll be up on YouTube very, very soon, as soon as we start getting time to actually upload the videos. They yeah. take a really, really long time to upload. So thank you very much, guys. Thank Have you. a nice week, and we'll see you next time. Bye.